I'm Warren Smith, and I'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. You know, here at Ministry Watch, we bring you news about Christian ministries as well as the latest in charity and philanthropy. News that we examine from a Christian worldview perspective, and our goal is to help us become better stewards of the resources that God has entrusted to us. These midweek extra episodes are a chance for us to go deep with a particular topic. And today I'm pleased to have back on the program Ron Sellers, who's the president of Gray Matter Research and Consulting. Ron Sellers and I discuss a new study that his organization has done in conjunction with Infinity Concepts. The study is out just this week, and it's called The Generation Gap, Evangelical Giving Preferences. And it highlights the differences in giving between older evangelicals, those over the age of 40, and younger evangelicals. Before we jump into that interview, I want to note that we will have a way for you to get your own copy of this report absolutely free. Just go to the episode page, the podcast tab, at the ministrywatch.com website, and you'll see a link to Great Matter Research, and you'll be able to get your own copy of this report. But until then, welcome Ron Sellers to the program. Well, Ron Sellers, welcome back to the program. You're uh, becoming a regular here on the Ministry Watch podcast, and it's because of the great work you guys are doing. You've got a new study out now called The Generation Gap Evangelical Giving preferences and um I'm just wondering we're going to we're going to sort of dive into the study uh in in some detail to look at some of the key insights in, at least and uh, but were there any surprises for you were you surprised by the findings of this study well I think in some respect we're always surprised by the findings of any study because we really try to go into the research with a completely open mind and just sort of taking what comes out of it so when we joined forces with the Trinity Concepts on this, uh, we, we, were, we were looking to get an understanding of how evangelicals give and how they like to give. And we were just looking at evangelicals in general. And we were surprised at the tremendous difference between the older evangelicals and the younger evangelicals in almost every measure. Uh, and so that's what, what came out as more of a surprise is how consistent the difference was, how strong the difference was. Um, so that's what surprised us. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to get into that difference between older evangelicals and younger evangelicals, but um, let's do a couple of things. I guess you might even almost call them housekeeping items, Ron, because uh, we've had to do this in the past or we've chosen to do this in the past. Give us quickly your definition of evangelical. In other words, when you say you are surveying evangelicals, who in fact are you surveying? This is American adults who strongly take four specific theological positions, that the Bible is the highest authority for what they believe, that it is important to encourage non-Christians to trust Christ as their Savior, that Jesus' death on the cross is the only sacrifice that can remove the penalty of their sin, and that only those who trust in Christ alone as their Savior receive God's free gift of eternal salvation. And so if they strongly agree in all of those, uh, plus we limited it to Protestants. So we remove, you will have some Mormons who agree with all of those, Orthodox, Roman Catholic, etc. But we wanted to get a, uh, a fairly homogeneous, uh, theologically homogeneous group. And so it's limited to uh, evangelical Protestants. And that's, that's a group representing about 23% of American adults. 
So 23% of a population of around 330 million people. So in round numbers, 60 to 70 million Americans would fit that definition. Is that, am I doing my math right here? Well, you, 330 is, is including children. So ah, it's closer okay. to two, 270. So it's about, it's a population of about 59 million people. And this is the definition of evangelical. There are a variety of definitions out there. And that's why some of the information that, that purports to be about evangelicals is so different and is so contradictory sometimes. Right. This is the the definition that is used and favored by the National Association of the Evangelicals. Got it. Very good. Well, let's jump into some of these key insights. Uh, the number one is that fifty eight percent of evangelicals give to charities outside of their church. And I remember too that I think it's something in excess of seventy percent, somewhere around seventy five percent, give to their church. Is, if, do I have that right? Correct. So fifty eight percent. That's a lot. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of people. It is. It is a tremendous number. And that's why it's so critical to understand these givers. I mean, it's 34 million evangelicals contributed to some type of a donor-supported organization other than a local congregation just in the past 12 months before this survey was, was taken. Yeah. And evangelical giving preferences, your study says, can be divided into four groups. Uh, 28% prefer to give to local charities. Uh, 18% prefer to give to domestic charities, but are not necessarily local. And then 27% overseas and 27% have no preference. I was honestly, Ron, kind of surprised. I mean, you're looking at uh, 28, 18, 27, 27. I mean, it's not exactly a quarter, a quarter, a quarter, a quarter, but it's pretty close to that. If you're rounding, it come out pretty close to that. I was a little bit surprised by that. Well, uh, if you look at how many charities there are that are doing work locally versus overseas, um, it, it really is not a big surprise. We tend to think of these huge charities that do work overseas, whether that's American Red Cross, whether that's Compassion International, World Vision, Samaritan's Purse, anything like that. But that doesn't represent all giving out there, right? There, there are a ton of people who give money or even favor small organizations. And when you've got like a local food bank in, like I had an old teacher who ran a local food bank in Grants Pass, Oregon, right? That represents some evangelical donors out there uh, reaching into that local community. Whereas if you have a small local organization in a city in Uganda, it's pretty difficult for American donors to know anything about that kind of an organization. So it's, it's not really surprising that uh, evangelicals prefer giving domestically over overseas by a 46 to 27 percent uh, uh, level, simply because they have a lot more options for giving domestically. Right, right. Well, Ron, this is one area where age really does matter. And uh, I'm going to skip ahead just a little bit um, because to, to, to talk about this age difference, just because um, it's it's pretty significant uh, in this area. Uh, if you're less than 40 uh, years of age, uh, local versus beyond local, the local uh, young people less than 40, 26 percent to local and 74% to non-local. Whereas if you're, do I have that right? No, uh, actually, no. It's, right. Remember, it's these, are, these are all, this is not where their money is going. This is what they prefer 
to give to. This is what all things being equal that they would choose to give to. So we don't have any measurements in terms of 74% 74 of their money is going to certain kinds of organizations. And it's when you look at evangelicals in general, uh, they prefer domestic to overseas. Uh, And there are 28% that prefer giving to local charities. When you look at the youngest evangelicals, they and that's under the age of 40, and these are donors. These are the people who are actually giving. Um, they're, they're the only age group that is more likely to prefer giving overseas than to giving domestic, 34 to 28%, with the remainder saying they're equally open to both. They also are more open to giving beyond their local area, 48% to 26%. So they they are they think a lot more globally. They think um, a lot less locally than older evangelical donors do. Got it. Got it. Well, I appreciate that clarification. Yeah, I was actually reading the numbers incorrectly, so I, I appreciate very much that uh, that correction there. So. Um, Talk a little bit more about the differences between older and younger uh, evangelical donors. You know, I've been, Ron, involved in Christian ministry for, you know, many, many years, but as a leader in a Christian ministry, somebody who had some fundraising responsibilities for, you know, probably 20 years, and I know that's a conversation that we always have, and we've always had in any organization that I've been involved with, is how can we get younger donors, um, or how can we get donors when they are younger so that we have them for a longer period of time? Um, Does your survey offer any help or insight into how to solve that problem? Well, it, it, it gives a lot of insight into that problem. And it is a problem that we, I mean, I've worked with well over 100 different ministries and nonprofit organizations in, in my career. And it's a very, very common issue. And sometimes it's a matter of, you know, the average age of the donor is 52, 55, something like that. They'd like to get a little younger. I've worked with organizations where the average age of their donor is in the mid-70s. And so they are, an organization like that is extreme, at, at extremely high risk of five or 10 years just not existing anymore because their donors are going to die off. And so getting younger is not just a matter of preference or of long-term planning. It's a matter of survival for them. So the desire to to attract younger donors is very common among ministries and nonprofits. But it it does come with a caveat, which is that the core donors, the people who who are well-advanced in their careers, are earning the most money, don't have small children that they're trying to finance and everything else, those core donors are still mostly 50, 60, 70 years old. And so it's really critical for organizations, if they do want to get younger, not to do so at the expense of those older donors. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, the, the, the strategies and the tactics and the messages and everything else that were really effective attracting all those 60, 65-year-old donors, those 35, 40-year-old donors are not responding to the same messages, and they're not going about giving the same way. And we see that very starkly in this study. You know, one of the things that we try to encourage people to do here at Ministry Watch, Ron, is to, um, first of all, give to your local church. We actively um, encourage local church giving first. And then we tell people to give to a relatively small number 
of ministries that they know, that uh, they feel passionate about and called to, and that they have researched. Because, you know, I might, for example, feel passionate about giving to homeless ministries or rescue missions, but some are better than others, and you need to do your research to make sure that you're um, giving to the ones that are going to make the best use of that money, to be the best stewards of those resources. But one of the things that was interesting to me about your survey is that that's not the way people always think, that especially younger people, um, they're much more willing to give to a larger number of ministries rather than focus their giving on a smaller number. Can you say a little about that? Well, and and all the things that you mentioned uh, that you encourage people to do, um, you're you're apparently not reaching enough of the younger folks or they're not, they're not responding to your message because they're very different from that. Um, First of all, the, the younger population, the younger evangelical donor population is more interested in variety than than the over 40 population they are more interested in giving to a wider variety of causes they're more interested in giving to a wider variety of organizations um, they're also much more likely than the older folks to give spur of the moment as they are to plan out their giving in advance they're far more likely to uh, to not do research rather than doing research, which is much more common among older donors. Now, the ironic thing about that is older donors have seem to have an attitude or are much more likely to have an attitude of, I trust you because you're a ministry, and I'm going to trust you until you prove yourself to be unworthy. But at the same time, I'm going to do research. I'm going to find out some key things about the organization and make sure that I feel comfortable supporting you rather than just giving when it feels right. The younger donors are more likely to be spur of the moment rather than doing research. But at the same time, they are less likely to start a relationship by trusting an organization. They're, they're more likely to say, I kind of distrust you until you can prove yourself to be trustworthy. Whereas with the older donors, it's more innocent until proven guilty. So they're, they're, less, tr- they're, they're less trusting of organizations but at the same time, less likely to do research and advanced planning, which which is somewhat contradictory from a logical standpoint. Yeah. So, Ron, uh, given all of this data, I'm wondering how this question hits you, or if, if in fact, if there is a, uh, you know, if there is even a way to answer this question based on uh, based on this information alone. Uh, if I'm one of those organizations that has a donor base that, you know, the average age is in the 50s or 60s, should I just uh, kind of throw up my hands and say, well, you know what, that's the donor class. We are unwilling to do the things that we need to do to attract younger donors. We're going to focus on the people who are actually giving and who actually have money and are at that life stage where, um, you know, like, I, like you know, as you alluded to, they've, they have moved out of the uh, class of looking after their kids and maybe you're looking out and, and moving into that donor class. Or are there any practical suggestions that you could recommend um, that organizations could do to make themselves more attractive to younger donors? Well, I think in terms of what an organization should do, that's entirely up to the the strategic leadership of the organization. There are probably some 
that are maybe better off saying we don't have the bandwidth, we don't have the skill set, we don't have the ability to segment our database and use different strategies with the younger population, or we're unwilling to invest in doing that. And instead of spinning your wheels and just trying to do the same thing with a 30-year-old as you always did with a 70-year-old, just concentrate on the 70-year-old. At the same time, that is a recipe for long-term irrelevance. So to me, it makes a lot of sense to go after the younger donor, but in a way that is different from the way that you have cultivated the older donors. And it's going to take segmentation. It's going to take understanding who your donors are, and it's going to take potentially reaching them in a different way. Uh, donor, younger donors are going to need more demonstration of trustworthiness and of, of honesty uh, and of worthiness as an organization. They are going to most likely need more variety. And so giving the same messages over and over and over again, that might have worked with a 70-year-old. It's less likely to work with a 35-year-old because they're, they're going to lose interest after a while. They, they're seeking variety. Uh, so, I mean, different strategies like this, uh, the retention is going to be much more difficult with the younger donors simply because of their interest in finding out about new organizations. Uh, the younger donors, donors under the age of 40 are almost as likely to want to learn about new organizations as they are to prefer supporting what's already familiar to them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you, a lot of, a lot of organizations talk about our donors, right? As in, this is a commitment that the donors have made to the organization. And for a 60, 70, 80 year old donor, in many cases, that is, they are a loyal Gideon's donor or intervarsity donor or whatever. For the younger people, there's a lot less likelihood that they will be our donors. Rather, they will be the people who have chosen to give to us right now. And so instead of taking them for granted as our donors and assuming there's a relationship there, these younger donors are much less likely to get married to an organization and much more likely to want to play the field. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ron, uh, as usual, uh, this uh, survey has been really uh, helpful and interesting and tantalizing. It raises almost as many questions as it answers, but it does answer some really great and helpful questions. So I really appreciate you coming on the program again. Before we hang up, though, just uh, any kind of one final takeaway that I'm not smart enough to ask you that you think we ought to really take away from this study? Well, I think the, the one thing that we didn't talk about is we, we really focus mostly on what's going on right now. Should an organization go after younger donors? How should they, et cetera? But one thing we don't know is will these younger donors, as they age and as they become the core donors of the future, will they maintain these same differences or will they change? If they change and they become much more like the donors of 50 or 60 years old, then fine, organizations long-term can continue using the same strategies. But if they maintain a lot of these differences, then organizations long-term are going to have to change because the core donors are going to be very different than they used to be. And so to me, that's another reason to to also uh, prepare for that change by going after the younger donors because eventually those people will be where the majority of your funding is, is able to come from. And if you don't know how to reach them now and they stay the same, what happens in 20 years when you still don't know how to reach them? 
Yeah, and you really need them at that point. Well, that's a great insight, Ron. Well, listen, thanks so much, Ron, for being on the program again. Gray Matter Research Consulting in conjunction with Infinity Concepts, producing the new study, The Generation Gap, Evangelical Giving Preferences. Thanks, Ron. Have a great day. Thanks, Warren. You've been listening to my conversation with Ron Sellers, the president of Gray Matter Research, which has just published a new study called The Generation Gap, Evangelical Giving Preference. Before we go, a couple of quick notes. First, regular listeners to the podcast know that this is not the first time Ron Sellers has been on the program. If you're a ministry leader and you're new to the program, you might want to give a listen to some of the previous appearances that uh, Ron has made on the Ministry Watch podcast. His research provides insights into evangelical giving patterns that I have found helpful. So just go to ministrywatch.com and type Ron Seller's name into the search engine and all of his past appearances will pop right up. Also, a quick reminder that we have a webinar coming up next week that I want you to know about. It will feature Michael McKenzie in his new book, Don't blow up your ministry. We'll discuss some of the issues that take pastors and ministry leaders down and how to avoid them. I think this book and webinar are essentials for ministry leaders and pastors, but also for lay people who are grieved by the high-profile implosions of ministry leaders that we've seen lately, you know, people like Ravi Zacharias and James McDonald, the Bill Hybels, and many others. That webinar is February 16th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. It's absolutely free, but you do have to sign up, and we've limited the uh, signups to 150 people. So you want to sign up early. Look for a sign-up link in my daily emails, or you can find it in the show notes to this episode. I also want to remind you that we take no money from the ministries we cover. Uh, there's no advertising on our website. We are completely listener and reader funded. If you'd like to make a donation to Ministry Watch, just go to ministrywatch.com and hit the donate tab at the top of the page. And by the way, as our thank you for making a donation during the month of February, we'll send you a copy of Michael McKenzie's book, Don't Blow Up Your Ministry. So I think it's a pretty good deal. You want this book in your library, and you'll be able to support Ministry Watch at the same time. And if money is a little tight right now, I get it. I've been there a time or two myself. Uh, you can still help this program. Just rate us on your podcast app. The more ratings we get, the higher we rank with search engines, and that means other people can find us more easily. Rating us just takes a few seconds. doesn't cost you a dime. It's free easy, and an important way that you can support the Ministry Watch podcast. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosell and Ben Warwick. We get database and other technical support from Kathy Goddard, Stephen DeBerry, Emily Kern, and Casey Sutton. I'm Warren Smith, and until next time, may God bless you.